Hey, hey, beloveds. It's Tuesdays with Tawana. I am so grateful to be here on this Tuesday, this 134th episode of Tuesdays with Tawana. I am Dr. Tad, your host and your curator. For this moment, we do this podcast, Building Community, One Womanist Episode at a Time. We center Black experience, Black women, femmes, gender expansive. We center um, our, just in general, our Black experience. And we share stories. We talk about topics that are impacting us the most. We build community. Uh, You come on and feel free to say hey in the chat or uh, questions or comments or concerns. Or if you don't agree or have a different thought or opinion, please feel free to share it. Hey, my beautiful sister, Tony. I love to see you when you pop up. So you'll hear that those who listen to this later or listen to it as a podcast, I often read the comments to insert other people's voices into this narrative. And of course, being a Black woman podcaster, um, I will continue to insert my voice and talk about the thing. If the thing is happening, life is life in, math ain't math in, all of that, we, uh, that's what we do here. We, we bring it to the forefront. Mother Carolyn, it is such an honor, and I'm so pleased to see your beautiful face in this picture. Um, Yeah, haven't had a chance to hear your voice in a couple of days, but um, thank you for sharing your healing journey and getting stronger and better every day. Your community loves you. Uh, Soul to Soul Sisters sends their love. So let me offer a few disclaimers and then we're gonna get started. Um, So this is uh, Dr. Tad, Tuesdays with Tawana falls under the Dr. Tad Enterprises umbrella. So I am involved with different organizations and I have an opportunity to represent other organizations for such a time. Um, But today it's, it's my voice my podcast, my experience, and my views don't necessarily reflect the views of others, which I hope they do, because then I shouldn't be rocking with them, right? So, but just to add that disclaimer, so for today, as we know, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and there is, I think it was Mental Health Awareness Week. There's uh, Queer Awareness. I don't know the, the typical Awareness Month, but um, the LGBTQIA+. And then we also have our Hispanic and Latin uh, Heritage Month as well. So there's a lot going on, but I just wanted to name that and insert that into this narrative. Um, Oh, <laughs> thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. Oh, and Mother Carolyn, you are being sent some love and some hearts. So let's get started. I am, I have the honor of being in uh, Denver right now, and 
I am at our strategic planning retreat. So as we close out 2023 and look forward to 2024, we are strategizing and doing what we need to do to meet the needs of the community. Um, so that's where I am, but I have a little time to spare and I chose to spend it with you on today. So I wanted to talk a bit about, you know, I'm focusing on domestic violence awareness. Um, I will mention I represent both domestic violence survivor, being a domestic violence survivor and a breast cancer metastatic survivor. And both of those have many crossroads and intersections um, that impact the Black community in particular in daunting ways, in adverse ways, our numbers, the disparaging numbers um, that are presented to us quite often is, um, yeah, it's 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 not as accurate as it could or should be especially when it comes to our community because there are times when in our community we don't talk about cancer in general we don't talk about our bodies we don't talk about um the the beauty and the divinity of our bodies and how we show up as divine beings there is shame a lot of shame and guilt when someone is diagnosed with cancer or in a domestic violence, uh, intimate partner violent relationship. And we, we keep those things hidden and silent or, and we hold that internally and that is just not good for our health and our well-being. We must learn to release. We must learn to let it go and not let it go and ignore it, but let it go and work through the process. So today I named this particular uh, episode Broken. Hey brother, so good to see you. Thanks for being here. And thank y'all for joining with the time shift. Um, you know, we, we should be operating in Kairos time all the time, right? When all of Black Beloved show up, that's when the thing starts thinking. That's when we begin. That's when spirit shows up. So thank y'all for joining um, a bit late. So today is broken. And it's not to, it's not as an identifier. It's not as an um, adjective. It's not claiming what I am or who we are. It is a term that I want to wrestle with and, and kind of work through with you during Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I, as a survivor of domestic violence, I look back um, to different situations as to why, why things happen. Um, why did I make those choices? Um, oh, thank you, Tony. She said, we're going to ride with you 10 toes down. I don't care what time I'm riding. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you so much. Um, so being a, a, a survivor, I look back. Um, I don't live with regrets. I've said this plenty of times because I am a woman of faith 
And I truly believe that in any missteps, mishaps, recklessness, crazy decisions, behaviors, whatever we want to name it for ourselves, that God is there with me. God is a God of justice, restoration, healing, peace, uh, covering, protection, and the list goes on and on. And I, and I try to be very careful. No, not try. I am very careful about the language that I use when we are talking about domestic violence so that I do not re-victimize the victim. Yet at the same time, there were some terms that I had to come, um, that I had to embrace in order to learn to love myself. And not that that situation would never happen again, I don't know, I only know what's happening in the moment, but I, have, I had to go back and learn from those experiences and I was broken. I didn't love myself. I felt disconnected from myself. When we talk about broken, it can take one continuous measure and break and now it's two separate measures. So I felt like there were all these different silos happening in my life and they just were not coming together to form the essence of Tawana. And that crack, that break, that opening um, gave room for um, someone to come into my world and cause harm. It wasn't my fault. Life is life. We all have different life experiences. And at the same time, had I loved myself or had the language, and I can't, I can't say it, it wouldn't have happened because we can't go back and change the past. But what I can say now is I am at a point where I have the language, the love of self, the awareness, the community, family, real talk, checking me, pulling me in, calling me out, all of that in order for me to continue to be surrounded by and be in relationship with those that do not mean any harm or do not cause harm in my life intentionally or unintentionally, right? So when I say I was broken, I had all these beautiful pieces, right? Because you can take these broken pieces and build a beautiful mosaic, but you, but one must know um, and acknowledge the brokenness in order to say, okay, what am I going to do with these broken pieces? And how can I become whole again? So this is how um, we're talking about uh, sexual abuse, uh, verbal, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. This is how abusers get in and they begin to break you. Um, I won't use the street term, but y'all know the street term when a pimp, you know, gets a woman, if you will, and they break them. They tell them they ain't worth shit. They, they're not good enough, their body is not good enough, they, you know, uh, yes, Tanisha, let me read this, yes, 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 because broken crayons still color doesn't mean that they are broken 
and need repair. Absolutely. Miss LJ is in the building, beloved. So good to see you as well. So those who are, you know, using women for uh, sexual reasons, for monetary reasons, they end up breaking most of the women. And they break them by breaking away pieces of their essence, breaking them away from their family, from their community, breaking them away from themselves, from their true essence. And if someone, just like you form a habit, if you keep doing it X amount of times, it becomes a habit. If someone keeps telling you that you're not worth it, and this is just, I'm the best that you got, and this is as far as you're gonna go, and I am the man, and I am, you're supposed to be subservient to me, you, you will start to believe it, because now you're moved out of healthy systems and spaces that can counteract that and kind of be in the back of your mind, like, but wait a minute, but my parents said, and Reverend T said, or my beloved said, that I'm beautiful and I'm divine. They totally break you away from all of that. So you don't even have an opportunity for positive reinforcement to posit those words of affirmation. This is why now, you know, we, we as, as the black um, diaspora, we are bringing back, we are reaching back. We're having a Sankofa moment. We're bringing back African traditional practices of, um, affirmations and meditation and storytelling and being the griot and sharing stories and not being ashamed so that we can impart that same bravery and courage into someone else so that they can begin to slowly, patiently, methodically, intentionally put those pieces back together. In an abusive relationship, you're slowly breaking apart until you realize that all of your broken pieces are laid out. It's happening very in a very manipulative way. And it's happening, um, I think I mentioned this last um, episode where the, the wheel of domestic violence is great. Um, it does send an overall picture of what domestic violence looks like, how everything is fine, and then the tension begins, then the abuse begins, then it's the apology, and then everything is fine. And unfortunately, we don't live in such, even though this is circular, we don't live in this type of modality where it's one step and step two and step three. It's very messy. It's lines all over the place. We can go from the honeymoon phase to a blow up phase um, in an instance, because someone is under the influence or the person didn't have dinner ready on time or whatever. But the overall message to this is the difference between domestic violence and having a bad temper or, you know, using your hands instead of your words is that it is a cycle and it keeps happening. And that cycle keeps happening. Um, in, in, and it manifests in different ways. So that's the point of the, for me, Tawana's opinion of the domestic violence wheel to show that there is a level of intentionality that is going to, that has the intention of breaking you. So with all of my pieces scattered all over the place, 
Um, I had to realize that some of those pieces needed to lay dormant on the ground and I didn't need to pick them up. Like being the savior or that's my husband and I, I need to help him. It's my duty and my responsibility. The abusiveness from the pulpit that says that misinterprets and misconstrues scripture that then causes, emboldens the abuser and re-victimizes the victim. So there were some pieces that I had to leave broken because if I believe that God is a God of restoration, then as I am being put back together, that these pieces will come back and be um, offered to me through community, through spirit, through telling my story and somebody else saying, sharing their experience and I can learn something and receive something to make myself whole again. So being broken is an intentional act of abusers. It's an intentional act and those who are um, on the receiving end of that abuse tend um, to be broken and not even realize that they're broken. I didn't even realize that I was broken until I sat in a class in seminary with the Reverend Dr. Uh, Carolyn McCrary, uh, who brought in a guest to talk about domestic violence. And I, I've, I've told this story before, I broke down in tears because I was like, oh shit, that's me. That's me. So then I had to take the necessary steps to move forward to get out of that, still broken, but now starting to discern what pieces I needed and the priorities that came along with putting those pieces back together or Mother Carolyn handing me a piece or Tanisha handing me a piece or my brother nurturing the wholeness or my community in Denver picking up those pieces and saying here, this is what you need, your courage, your bravery, your self-love, your self-care, your, you know, your beauty, your essence, your divinity, your faith, your hope, your peace. So all that's why healing happens in community and why domestic violence works the way it works because it was designed to remove folk out of community and to keep them broken. Once you introduce community into it, then the, 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 the perpetrator or abuser loses their power, which is why I focus on October. Um, I, I could you know talk about breast cancer as well. And, and there is so much being said about breast cancer right now. Um, and I choose to focus on domestic violence because we don't talk about it enough. And too many of us are dying whether it's children witnessing their parent or parents or guardians die physically or spiritually or emotionally or being in a relationship and being the receiver of the abuse. Um, so when the perpetrator is intentionally just stripping away pieces from you, your esteem, 
and your friends and so on and so forth. Now they got you, but they only have um, almost like a silhouette, right? Because they have taken away the true essence and of you. And they have this silhouette and they're working that silhouette so that you will never be able to put pieces back together so that you can see your hands, you can own your body, you can have control of your mind, you know your heart is healed. So they're dealing with this silhouette and this person that is not you because I truly believe, I don't have to know you personally to know that you are worthy, to know that you don't deserve any type of abusive behavior, whether it comes from elder abuse, to abuse in the church, to abuse with an intimate partner, what you do not deserve that. So, okay, that sounds all good, Tawana, but how do we then shift and get someone to really understand um, their value? And that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part because some beloveds witnessed it as a child and they're continuing that cycle as an adult and they're in intimate partner violent relationships because that's all they know. So how do you sneak in and you are able to posit something different in their mind? And it's hard to do that because the abuser or perpetrator has you know, the person under watch 24 by seven. So if you send a text, that's dangerous because the perpetrator may have access to that person, the partner's phone, or going on to the a website, you gotta clear your cache because then they'll go on and see what websites that you were looking at. Or on your iPhone, if you don't turn off your location services, then if you share your location, your abuser, and most likely they will ask for that, they will look at your location to see where, oh, y'all see my Eli? Oh, yes, look at that dimple. Look at that dimple. Yes. So you're, they'll know the location. So how do you and others and community step in without causing harm to self and to the other person? So just like we're picking up pieces and putting ourselves back together, it's discerning and using a moment or two when you do have that moment to say, and say affirmations. Like remember, we say some shitty things to people and, and re-victimize re them. That couldn't be me. I would have done this. What you need me to do? You need me to come to the house and those things aren't wise. Let me just put this up on the screen so everybody knows. <laughs> so you, it, it's being creative and being someone who is an activist and advocate, it is difficult to just watch someone go through an intimate partner, violent relationship and not really be able to do much, right? It, it, it hurts, it is disheartening, and you want that person to live and not die at the hands of their abuser. So this is why we do this, 
to have conversations, to think about what are some things that I can do that are going to keep me safe and keep my beloved safe as I am trying to get them out of their domestic violence relationship. I'll end with this. When I, and just to paint the picture of how it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. So I don't tell my story with a cape on my shoulders. I tell my story with my community on my shoulders and my ancestors at my feet and above me and surrounding me and God right at the center. I tell my story because it's not necessarily my words. It is my experience. And I hope that it will get you to feel differently about domestic violence victims and do something different. Even if it's just mentioning it in a, a post or if you're a pastor, putting it in the bulletin, or if you are a part of a community organization, posting it. If you send out a newsletter, just do a little blurb of the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, so those little things, because we have to take it moment by moment, just like the person who is at the receiving end of the abuse. So I had all these resources, had community, had you know the plan, the safety plan laid out, the national um, uh, domestic violence organization in Atlanta was very helpful, but actually implementing it was damn scary and painful. So having to hide my car, having to travel with someone at all times, because usually the abuser is very charismatic and is not going to act up in front of people because then people can call the police and have them locked up. So they don't wanna do that. And they wanna make you out to be a liar. So they're gonna come forth as charismatic as they want to be. And then behind closed doors, you're gonna pay for that, right? So having all of, um, all of those resources, I still had to go through a very scary time and, and I had to give a picture of my abuser to the the church um, leaders and to the pastor and to my school and to security. And I would get voice messages and I won't name them because I, I don't have a space after this to help us heal from this moment that might be triggering, but do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Um, I had threatening text messages. I would get 200 calls a day. My mailbox was always full because I was like, I can't hear anymore. I'm just going to let it be full. I mean, these are little things that aren't thought about when you're on the outside looking in and wondering why it's so difficult for someone who is being abused, why it's so difficult for them to leave because they've already been broken down to the bare minimum, mind, body, and spirit. So now it's up to us as community to pick up those pieces and start to put them back together for our beloved, whatever that looks like. Getting the language, the courage, the discernment, all of that and putting that together so that that person and or their children or their families can be safe and holding the abuser accountable, which will be next week's topic on different ways to hold the abuser accountable because we know 
our jails are filled with us. We know that police, um, unfortunately, will pull out a gun before they try to de-escalate. We, we've seen this time and time again, all on video, and we still don't get justice. Um, you know, we, we get shot sleeping, we get shot walking, we get shot jogging, we get shot getting Arizona in Skittles, we get shot because of a busted taillight, we get shot it's, and, and murdered sleeping. And out. so it, it's, it's not that easy just to say, we'll call law enforcement because law enforcement needs some dismantling when it comes to domestic violence, not even reform, because the system is doing what it was designed to do. But calling the police is not just the answer. So how do we involve community policing and keeping us safe and keeping our beloved safe so that our beloved can put the pieces back together? I want to end with this song. I won't play it because then they'll mute my video. But I do want to read these lyrics to you. It's by Jill Scott. And this is my ode to community because in the spirit of Ubuntu, I am because you are and because you've loved me through and many of you did not make me feel um, ashamed or you encouraged me to take action even when the court clerks were disrespecting me and demeaning me, the judge demeaned me, security didn't even see me. And they allowed my abuser just to do all the things that the judge just did not say to do. Um, so let me come back because I got to end. But this is my ode to you. Hey, Lindsay. Oh, my gosh. So good to see you. So the song is called Back Together. And Jill Scott says, pieces of me were scattered, blowing in the cold in different directions. Truth be told, but then I look into your eyes. Everything felt like it could be all right. You went and put me back together, back together again. Going through heartache, you know, I think I lost my mind for a time and couldn't get better, no matter how hard I tried. And then I looked into your eyes and everything felt like it could be all right you went and put me back together again. Now I'm walking in the sunshine and everything feels so right. You went and put me back together again, back together again. And I feel like I'm walking on air. So if you could be that to someone and for someone, and put them back together so that they can manifest the divine, beautiful human beings they were designed to be. And let's continue to end the silence so that we can stop the violence. I love each of you dearly. I once was broken. And now, because of beloved community, the almighty, and the divine in me, I have been put back together again. I love each of you. I am because you are. And I'll see you next Tuesday. I love you. I'm out.
please.